Are you curious about bodies, pleasure, and possibilities? And what about curious about what others are up to on the planet when it comes to pleasure, sex, and play? Have you considered what pleasure can do for your life, your body, and your bank account? Do you know something magical, delightful, and out of this world orgasmic is not only possible for you, but totally available to you? If you're ready to be the magical, sexual, sexy beast you know you can be, and you just need the tools to get there, you're in the right place. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, sensual movement artist, relationship and sex alchemist, Milica Yelenich. Well, that was cute. If you guys were watching on video, you will see my guest today, Shafiq's super cute faces of confusion before the show started. So go to video and watch that. That was super cute. <laughs> so, oh, guess what? I have a guest today. That's right. So if you were listening last week, you would have heard me say, hey, I have a guest next week. Stay tuned for that. We are going to be having a little conversation with actually another podcast um, mm -hmm. creator in the world. And his name is Shafiq Kamani. And we're actually going to be talking about a few things. I actually created this title for him without his consent. What? Yeah, I did. It was awkward. And I was like, I didn't ask for consent. However, this is the title, Sexual Identity in a South Asian Culture. Now, I chose that for a reason. I didn't want to give away everything for free. So we're going to be talking about uh, why did I pick that and uh, what's going on there. And um, before I actually get into this conversation, I'd like to tell you a little bit about my guest. So Shafiq is a self-proclaimed creative madman, definitely. Shafiq successfully straddles the world of his imagination with the world we're living in. He's devoted to telling stories and personal philosophy is to create art with purpose, whether creating art, dance, theater, drag, fashion, or branding a company, Shafiq's work is expressive and it exhibits his passion for community and culture. He's committed to developing quality work that implements new standards, pushes boundaries and challenges norms. His artwork is expressive and exhibits the brute force of his passion. You can see that he is 100% committed to produce quality work that pushes boundaries, which I love pushing boundaries. This show is all about that. And Shafiq continues to develop creative products, uh, products too. Well, I just said products. Mm. So maybe you got products coming. Uh, projects in Toronto and Winnipeg, currently focusing on printmaking art series called Circle, Circle Dot Dot and video podcast 42 Souls Dot One Journey, a raw and unedited look into our lives as humans, which by the way, uh, you will see in the future, I was a guest on his show. So that's fun. And so today we're talking about what? I don't know. I created that title and I was like, this is such an awkward title, but I think it's appropriate yet awkward at the same time. So sexual identity in a South Asian culture. Why would I say that, Shafiq? Why would I say that about you? <laughs> what was I thinking? I mean, I don't know, but I mean, awkward is fun. So it's, it's, a, it's a good spot to be in. You know, we had, an, yeah, um, so sexual identity in South Asian culture, I guess we, you wanted to come across that I'm a gay South Asian person and we're going to talk about what that is all about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did. And I also didn't want to label you as, um, I, I kind of wanted to give you a fluid explanation of who you are. 
um, just because that's my feeling of you. And even though you might identify one way, I wanted to kind of broaden it because I think that you can not only speak for gay men in a South Asian culture, but I, I also feel that you have uh, a different perspective than say uh, me as a white woman living in a Christian culture, which is different than being a South Asian male living in a, in a Muslim culture. So I wanted to kind of broaden the title so that you could kind of speak to um, a culture that is pretty heteronormative. And I mean, we are pretty that way anyway, but I would, you know, when I think of Muslim culture, I don't think of openly gay people. Like I just, that's not where my mind goes. I think, wow, there's a lot of restrictions and there's a lot of judgment. And um, so I, what I love talking to you about is how you've lived your life to be able to live in a way that you feel open, receiving who you are and not being apologetic about it. Like, how do you live an unapologetic life in a culture that requires apology for who you are? Wow. Um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's taken time to get here. And I, I think having a great family or a great network of friends really helps. I think back to, because uh, like when I was, at, I was at the age of five, I was, we were in Africa, in Kenya specifically, and there's a photograph of me dressed up as a girl going to uh, what I think was a Halloween party, but like their version of a Halloween party. And I remember looking back being like, whoa, like that happened. And like, that's my, like my dad let that happen. And my parents were like, great, little boy wants to dress like a girl, let him do it. And I think, you know, having such a strong family that just said, okay, it's just a person who just wants to do what he wants to do. Um, I think that really helps sort of allow me to be a, be and try things wherever I am, right? So like, I, I didn't actually come out until I was 21, but because I was so allowed to just be who I was and nothing was sort of taboo-esque for me within my own family circle, I never really, like when I looked at men, I was like, oh, they're attractive. But I never thought of them as like sexually attractive, but it was never something that I, I don't know, I didn't even have to question it. Like it wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't Isn't even a concept cool? in my head. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. such a thin line in the South Asian culture where like, there's this meme that goes around that there's two brown hand, two brown men holding hands and it's like, gay or just in India? Like it's just, <laughs> it's such a culture of, you know, like holding another man's hand or showing affection isn't deemed gay. I think that's more of a North American culture. Cause I remember coming here and as soon as like those affectionate moments were completely categorized or put into a box as soon as I came to Canada. But I don't think, I don't remember having any of those restrictions or nobody ever, you know, uh, captured my compassion and my love into sexuality. Oh, I love yeah, that. I think it didn't have to be categorized. Yeah. And then somewhere, yeah. it's funny, somewhere we colonialized sex and we had to categorize it and own it and have people own us. It's all very funny when you think about it. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, however that came about. Luckily, you didn't grow up in a culture that required that. Uh, well, you didn't grow up in a home that required that of you, which is such an amazing um, thing to have in your life so that you can just be yourself. So even though you were saying, like, I didn't really have to identify as gay, what at the age of 21 had you go, I need to come out to my family and identify as gay? All right. So, um Towards the end of my high school, like before, towards the end of my high school, I was dating this girl, and we would we were dating for I think about a year or so, but I never reacted in the way the typical boys in my class would react, right? Like so, I would every time she's like, "Oh, my parents are home. You want to come out?" I'm like, "Oh, I have to go home." And 
I'm going to say this out loud. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I would go home and watch Sailor Moon. I feel like no heterosexual boy at the age of 17 or 18 is going to like, oh, and she, like, we're still friends. She's a stunning woman. I think, like, many men would have killed to go home with. And I was like, oh, I got to go home and watch Sailor Moon. But in my head, it wasn't like, like, it didn't click to me being like, oh, I'd rather watch Sailor Moon than sleep with this person. Uh, and then the year after, I went to art college. And there, I, I think my eyes were a bit more open up and, you know, the men were still as attractive, but they were sexually arousing as well for me. So mm. I, I wanted to go home with them and watch Sailor Moon more than I wanted right. to go home and watch Sailor Moon with my ex-girlfriend at that point. So that's having kind of what... Sailor Moon on in the background, just as a, a thing, right? And right. Then having sex in front of Sailor Moon, even more attractive. That's just a whole other category <laughs> of love, right? <laughs> I'm going to do a whole different podcast about that, right? Like, I mean, the costuming in Sailor Moon was gorgeous. I feel like. Yeah. Cosplay mm. right there. You could go crazy. <laughs> That's hilarious. Right. You were, I love that you were turned on by Sailor Moon. That's freaking awesome. I can't think of like in high school, would I rather have, you know, watched a show than like get it on with somebody? Um, I can't really think of like if I tried to do that I'll have to think about that during uh, the next you know few minutes and and see if I ever did that but I was pretty aggressive sexually aggressive so if you had been my boyfriend I probably would have been really rudely not respective of your space I know that about me I would have been like don't worry I'll just give you a blowjob and we'll see where this goes and you would have been like what the fuck are you doing to me (laughs) so yeah, looking back, because I, I think in high school, I did date somebody who is um, pretty sure now is gay. And um, that's kind of how it went. And I was like, that it was freaking rude. Uh, at the same time, it was like, I don't know, I think we expected that that was what you were supposed to do, right? You were supposed to do these things that teenagers do, and you're supposed to explore and uh, be almost disrespectful of each other and almost non-consensual. It was awkward. Uh, so I'm glad we didn't date because this would have been a very awkward conversation. So that was good. And I probably would have figured out when you went home for Sailor Moon what was going on too. Because yeah. as much as I was doing that, I was also deeply, strangely, this is really funny. I had this thing in high school that I really wanted to have a group of gay male friends because my mom had a group of gay male friends from high school and she's still friends with them. And uh, one of them, they still write to each other, adore each other. One of them she dated, Mm. Um, but my mom was safe. My mom didn't want to have sex in high school. So my mom was the safe girl to date if you were gay and everybody she dated in high school was gay. (laughs) So so it was was great for her. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, I really love what she's created in her life. I want to have gay friends and I was so I was seeking them out but I didn't realize I was dating them at the time so I didn't realize I was fully following her method which was a good method I just didn't recognize it at the time so yeah but I love I love that you at some point go to go to art school where in general people are more open right there's just a different culture about art school so at what point was it like, did you find that you were in a community of other South Asian um, men where you were like, hey, we all have this thing in common? Or was there any kind of connection to culture for you at that point in, in college? Or was it just strictly male bodies? That was all. Yeah, I would say strictly. So I went to Sheridan College back in the 90s and it was predominantly white. But I was in the graphic design, uh, the graphic design uh, 
division was part was in the same place as the theater dancers. Mm. And those boys, what? I would have appreciated a blowjob as soon as possible from there. Uh, <laughs> but I think like when you see little ballet dancers and like just strutting down the hallway, you're like, I'm like, yeah. I feel like it was a permission. And then, you know, they were, they were more, like I think I saw a man kiss for the first time there. There was more availability to explore there without having to be tied on any, around any boundaries. And because I wasn't in Toronto, even though mm-hmm. it was only a half, like an hour, I could yes. explore and not be my, I could be like, oh, nobody, nobody knows me here. And there was less South Asian people there. So nobody would go home and tell my parents what they saw me doing. <laughs> That's convenient. Right, and all these boys were, I think a lot of boys came from out of town, so they weren't Toronto boys. So it, wouldn't, it wasn't as if I was going to go home. If I decided I wasn't going to be gay and it was just like exploring, I wasn't going to go back to Toronto and be outed. Um, so I think there was a, there was a freedom that, that came with that space. And then in our kids were just allowed to be gay. And if you know, you do a little weed and you can explore a little, like there was a, an allowance that happened at that point. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. I like the allowance, yeah. I'm in Oakville so of all that. places, which is yeah. pretty, um, for those people who are listening around the world, it's pretty waspy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to put it. It's, yeah. <laughs> so good for you. Yeah. But not in our Breaking school, it down right. in Sheridan. Right. <laughs> yes, not in art school. No, that's true. I actually took two weeks off in my life after university around 1997 and I went to Sheridan for two weeks to do glass blowing, oh. which is like, there's a community that just gets it on with everybody and anybody. They're kind of a wild bunch. And that was in, in the Sheridan campus in Oakville. So if anybody's looking for good times, go to Sheridan College. This is where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, this is where it's at. My, one of my roommates was a glass blower, and you, you're right. That oh. was, they were like a hippie. Like they were just like, yeah, we're gonna have like they were like go with the flow kind of guys. They, yeah, they're a good bunch to go have fun with. They're like they're kind and they, you know, they're, safe, they're a safe bunch of people to have sex with. Hippie love, yeah, it's all about the hippie love. So I'm I'm curious actually. Well, we're gonna head to a, a commercial in about one minute, but I'm curious uh, in your life if you've ever come up any against any because you have a fairly unique story from being South Asian, gay, male, coming out of the closet, uh, even even doing, you know, even within your family, like you have a very kind of unique perspective. And that's one reason I like sharing your stories because I think there are a lot of people who don't have that story, who have gone through a lot of stuff. But I'm curious if you've actually gone through, um, what would you think are some of the greatest walls you've come up against with your identity? Um, within my, uh, you know, I think there were just personal walls. I think there's stuff that you think you're supposed to act in a very specific way based on what society is telling you. Um, and having to think that I have to measure up through those things. Uh, I think those were the biggest walls because I didn't, in no way I did. I was so different. I was the arts kid in a very businessy community. Uh, but I kept thinking I had to be like all the MBA kids and like all my friends who were doing that, all were doing all the business stuff or the lawyer stuff. Um, and I think that would like feel like I had to measure up to people and be like them was mm. really would probably be the biggest wall I would say, um, which is bizarre because I feel like as soon as I came out, we would all my straight friends would come and would hit the gay bars together. Like they were so supportive about it, and they were just like, "Great, you're you're who you are, and come and have we'll, we'll join in the celebration." So that's awesome. Yeah. So the coming out actually was kind of the, one of the greatest gifts. Then you had this community of people you could go out with and 
once you kind of got over the competition with others, which right. I think everybody goes through at some point in my life, they're, you know, trying to prove they exist or trying to prove how good of a person they are. So, oh, I got to prove I exist. So I got to outdo this and outdo that. And um, yeah. which is tricky. It's exhausting. So if you are there trying to prove you exist, you don't have to like fight it, just be it. You know, I think it's just pretty simple. We are going to have a further conversation here because we have lots to talk about on this show. So you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. And we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Milica Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life, and quite possibly, other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is the Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email. Info at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet, sweet pleasure. Isn't it fun? Sorry, Thank sorry. You. No, no, go ahead. The beat is fun. I tend to like groove to it. So those of you who are listening, go watch some videos. Guess what? We are actually live and we are podcast and we are on video on over 250 locations. What? Yeah, pretty crazy, pretty insane. So go watch us on video if you want to see the commercial breaks where Shafiq and I were having a dance off, which we may have in the next one as well. We kept it a little low key this time. And I was actually thinking about like how many crazy dance offs I could have going on in the background when I have guests on. Um, in a couple of weeks, I have this uh, phenomenal woman coming on. Her name's Patty Alfonso and she does like conscious pole dancing. Um, and and the coolest thing was I just saw her on a Netflix documentary and I was like what you're on a Netflix documentary she'd been on my show about five years ago so she's coming back on in March to talk about that which I'm very excited about um, and that is actually a, a thing that they call people sensual movement artists and I heard that I was like but that's my title 
I don't think I have the same qualifications. And I went into a little head spin on that because I was like, I, I'm actually not a pole dancer and it's different. But I, I, yeah, I had a moment of self-judgment yesterday and I was like, get over it. They can have the same title and mean something different. Lots of people have the word doctor on their name. It doesn't mean they're doing surgery. So whew, I was feeling a little bit better after that. <laughs> and, and my sweet pleasure seekers, we're talking to somebody who's not just got like sensual movement in their life. They've got, you know, Shafiq is a really amazing person, super creative, super artistic. And one of the fun, fun things about Shafiq is he also does drag. And I love drag. Like I always thought that I would be probably better um, received as a woman in drag because I'm quite tall. I'm like 5'11". And, and I think I've had moments in my life where I've dressed up and I swear people have like, hmm, man or woman, I can't tell. And I've, I think I can be questionable that way. So uh, I, th I always think it would be fun if I went like full drag and, and have people like question their reality about me. Is she? Is she not? What's happening here? So I'm curious, what was it in your life that had you step into that creative expression of drag you know dressing up when you were like five and in, in a dress is a little yeah. different than going full drag right so what prompted that one before i think you just told you to drag there's a different persona that comes out that i think either male or female like we we should like i think full drag Melissa should be a goal i think it'd be fantastic to see who comes out from there because you know there's, there's another person that comes out um so drag for me. So when I when I turned thirty, it was really wanted to challenge things that scared me. I was like, okay, if I if I think there's something that scare me, I'm gonna go and uh, fight out. I, I think it was the first time I realized that fear is just the unknown. Like you're scared of something because you don't know it. Um, and like I had just come out, and I was always a little dancer boy in the front, like watching the drag shows. I was they're like my Sailor Moon, right? I was fascinated by them. But they would always pick on me and. They had a sense of humor that was very, I want to say cunty, but it was, like, it was just very like, it was new for me. That, yeah, like, yeah. But, but like they were playful. There was a whole persona about them. But me, I was like, oh my God, I'm scared. Like, I don't want to, like, I want to dance, but I don't want to be picked on. And then, so I kept going back further, further in the line so they wouldn't see me. Uh, and then well, as soon as I recognized that at 30, I was like, okay, like you're scared of this. There's just a person behind there with a painted face. Um, maybe it's time for you to explore it. Uh, so I remember trying it for the first time and fell in love with it because it sort of combined all the things I've already doing. So I love portraiture painting. And so you have to reconstruct your face with paint or makeup in this case. So that was great. Um, but like it becomes a theater show almost, right? So you're a theater. So I was like, oh, I'm a dancer. I've been on stage and I love painting faces. Let me explore this whole thing. Um, and I think the more, like I thought I was only going to do once or twice. Because I thought I was gonna be amazing at it, but it wasn't the first few times. But then it became this challenge of how to be um, visually looking, like how to be as visually looking at somebody else. You know, like I, th I think I thought it'd be as easy as just like I, I actually did think it'd be easy as putting mascara and lipstick and be like, okay, I'm pretty, I'm a girl, I'm ready to go. Uh, but it's not the case. Um, if you, there's so much that goes into the. It becomes, it's almost an, it's an art form, and there's so much mm -hmm. that goes into it. You know, I think like when I see curvaceous women and who are like, oh my god, I want to be skinny, I'm like. No, like drag queens wear cloth pads. We cinch ourselves to, to look like you. Like it's such a beautiful shape. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so like when people talk about curves, over they're like, oh, like when women when women want to be drag queens, I'm like, why? You already have like, I work to look like you, and I put three hours into it. You just have to roll out of bed. Like, 
<laughs> How lucky are you to do that? Um, and so it started off as something I was afraid of. I thought I'd do it twice and ended up having, I think it was like five or six years. I was like, I ended up diving more into it. So I was learning more about makeup. I ended up like doing pageants. Um, it really taught me about my body and then how I look at women's bodies. Like, I think that was the big thing for me as well. Cause I remember thinking my first one, I think I wore a sorry the first time I went out. Cause I, again, how hard can it be to do that? And I know how to tie a fabric around my waist. And I was a skinny boy then, and I was wearing, like, I wore the sari, and because I had to, underneath the sari, there's a piece that you really tie tight. Mm-hmm. It made me get a muffin top. And oh, I was like- That's attractive. Yeah, and like, literally, like, I was a 30-year-old who had been dancing, so my body was, like, I was really skinny. So there wasn't really much body fat, but I remember going, oh, fuck, no one, like, this, the underneath fabric is forcing your body to, like, be tiny so that the it hangs out, which is making you think you're fat when you really aren't. And I was like, and and then I also went into women's stores. Like when I went to H and M to buy a dress, like it, one dress I would be a two, and one dress I'd be a ten. And I was like, what the fuck? As men, Isn't we never annoying? think about this. So it, annoying. Body dysmorphia for women makes sense now to me at that point because I was like, oh my god, like fucking society is telling you like you can be two different sizes in one store. Men, you, I could be, I'm a size thirty thirty. I could go anywhere in the world and get a pair of pants, not have to question it. We're not even, we're not even try it on. If I know what my size is, women don't have that luxury. Like, no. yeah, I remember being like, oh, it's like, it tapped into the spot of me where I was like, I think it's more, I'm way more like understanding about what, what happens with like, this is what, this is why there's so much more body dysmorphia with women, right? Like it's just like culturally we're, we're fucking up through fabric and clothing, which should just be essential. We should all be able to just live beautiful in everything we wear. Right. So, yeah, that's the I don't know how I got there, but I love that it's because it has a lot to do with bodies and pleasure. And that's what we're here to talk about. And and that is so such a great point. I recently I was like looking to order something online, which I don't recommend you ever do when you look at size charts, because then you start judging the effing crap out of yourself. And I was like, oh, look at that little sexy number. It was supposed to be like some like b- amazing bustier lingerie that has like it just kind of like sits under your boobs and then it has tassels and I was like damn look Ooh. at that I love tassels and I was like all right so I go to find my size on the chart I don't exist because I'm in the extra extra large I'm extra extra large and I'm like how did I get extra extra large when I used to be a medium <laughs> and I'm like so I'm looking at the sizes and I'm like, size zero is a 24 inch waist. I'm like, that is a tiny woman. I know they exist, but I don't know a lot of women that are that tiny. And, and I double checked myself and I'm like, okay, am I really that size? But yes, according to lingerie world, I'm like an extra, extra large, which for a moment pissed me off. And then I stopped and I went, you know, what's really weird is the bodies on women that I really adore are large women. I think like women with like big boobs and big ass Mm. and like voluptuous women are great. And I'm like, maybe I'm creating that. So that was kind of cool because for like a while ago, um, I remember, and it was weird. I woke up with this thought too. And I remember today, and I I was thinking about a friend of mine, I'd gone swimming with her uh, one day and, and um, she was complaining about the size of her body. And I, and I looked at her, I was like, you actually have the ideal body to me. And, and I thought, oh, 
that's really weird. I think I'm getting her body. And now I'm just, my breasts are going to grow bigger because her breasts are bigger. And I thought that was fascinating. She's about my height too. And I thought, oh, that's actually like the body size that makes sense to me. And so I guess I'm getting them. And who knew that that falls in the extra, extra large category. But what I love is the other name for it is queen size. And I was Ooh. like, I'll have that queen size. Wow. Of course you want that. Why would you not? Yeah. Of course you want queen size. Yeah. I mean, we also want a king size California bed, but a queen size woman. Exactly. That's yeah. right. So yeah, I love that you brought that up. And I think it's interesting that like your first experience with that is going into shops and realizing yeah. what women are dealing with when they look at clothing all the time. And uh, even even the, the judgment of, yeah, and I've worn saris too. And no matter what, and when I wore saris, I wore, weighed like 35 pounds less than I weigh now. And even then it was always that, that little muffin. And you're like, how do you not have this? Like you always, and plus all the folds of material at the front yeah. always give you the extra poof. So yeah, that was very something. But then I, I was figuring that there must be something that has been um, inherent in the culture in India that finds that attractive because a woman's body then would look pregnant. I would think that was attractive. It would maybe create a sense of abundance or wealth. I was trying to figure out what the, the ideal behind that was, but I figure it has something to do with, this is my analysis of it. It has something to do with um, birthing and having children, making you look like you're more able to. No, you got the bigger hips or, yeah. Yeah, you are. I know in figure drawing class, one of the things that we talked about was like, when you draw a man, you always want to draw him with a V shape. So the idea, when a man has a bigger chest, it uh, allows for comfortness. So it, in relationship, you want men, men visually find women uh, with hips more attractive because instinctively that's where the birthing is happens. So, you know, um, I remember reading that somewhere that they were just saying that the, like the, the bigger the shape, the more, like I said, a subconscious attractive pattern um, that happens from a man to a woman and same if a man's got a more broader shoulder that's like that's what you want because you want to be more comfortable so it's pretty interesting that uh yeah i wonder wonder if that's that did come through somewhere yeah yeah and that they've known that forever because saris haven't changed in like five thousand years i don't think so no, no. i mean it's a country that created kama sutra so right? they must so know something. Kind of something yeah they know what they're doing <laughs> so. And actually, it, it is a country, too, where there is a subculture of, of um, drag that happens. Transvestitism is actually really, uh, there's like a whole subculture that is highly revered, which is really cool to me. If you guys have never heard of that, you can research that. Um, I think I mentioned it in a few shows that I've done. Uh, it's, it's really cool in that the, the people who have, um, who I, they're actually kind of chosen for this role, right? And then they're living their lives. Uh, it's, they're usually born male and then they're living their lives as women. Uh, they're used in different rituals as something that's highly revered, which is incredibly amazing to me. Then of course you get, you know, British colonialism comes in and kind of wrecks all of that beauty, probably makes it really wrong, right? Just like Indian men holding hands was natural for like ever. And then that became something that we have to question, which is true for um, also in most countries in Africa. I recently was uh, investigating that uh, it was actually completely normal to have variations of uh, 
relationships in different countries, like even say like um, all across Africa there, you know, you could be homosexual. They didn't identify. It was men living with men, women living with women. People loved each other. There was no name for it. There was no judgment for it. Then the British come by and they, and other colonial countries like France and Portugal, and they kind of fuck things up in Spain. Yeah, so thank you to all of you guys for fucking that up. <laughs> but I think there's such beauty when you look at the history that there is actually no judgment on that. You know, a friend of mine had talked about that. So she's from Pakistan and she had said that like, the trans movement is only an issue in North America. It wasn't a problem. It's not a problem in East Asian in culture. So like if you're in Thailand or you think like uh, Pakistan or India, like it's, it, you know, it's, it's revered there. Like there, it wasn't an, it wasn't a thing there. It's, it became a thing here and it's, it's a thing here in North America. Yeah. Um, but like I, I'm now in Winnipeg, which is like Treaty One territory. And I talked talk to a friend of mine who said the same thing about the Aboriginal people, the Native Americans here. Oh, I don't know what to shoot. Yes. Whatever the right term, not Aboriginal. Uh, indigenous, I think indigenous, we're saying now. Indigenous, thank you. Yeah. Oh, indigenous people mm-hmm. here, right? That wasn't that wasn't yeah. a thing that even they built. That, that was a thing that they had to conform to um, until no. they got colonized. Until, yeah, and oh, yeah, yeah. The um, yeah, they're they're actually revered uh, in indigenous cultures that you're considered uh, dual spirited. So a lot of times I had, uh, I worked with a fellow years ago at a holistic metaphysical bookstore in Toronto and he did psychic readings in his community. So he was part of Six Nations out of Brantford and in his community and because he was gay, he was automatically considered to be psychic and knowing about the future. It was like a given. It's like, you're born that way. So this is what you know. How awesome is that? You oh, already no, you have a natural great. born gift, whether you know it or not. Yeah, I and mean, I would love to tap into it a lot earlier. It would make life a lot, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's my. I would have my superpower already. That's amazing. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just yeah, and they actually can identify fairly young, right? They'll acknowledge that fairly yeah. young, and then they get trained into to being oh. into like they harness those like, capacities, which is oh, isn't it a beautiful thing? We need more of that harnessing our capacities. We're going to head to a commercial though. I'm like behind on commercials right now. So sorry about that, people. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. And we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Milica Jelenic, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Milica Jelenic, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life, and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the Pleasure Zone with Milica. Every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Interested in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism with sensual movement artist Melitza Jelenich is an exploration of tools, processes, and actions that you can use to create more for your life, your body, your money inflows, and so much more. Graduated learning for all levels of interest. 
Learn at your own pace via video classes or join the yearly live class. Take a peek at www.melitzayelenich.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Pleasure Zone. That was a little interesting commercial, dippy-doodle, um, whatever happened right there, but we're good. I um, I think you guys missed it. If you didn't miss it, then you're watching video, but there was another dance-off. I'm pretty sure Shafiq won that one, but that's all good. I'm going to get on there. I'm going to get even better. Shafiq's no, no, got natural just like thing. I had to feel like I had to work it extra, like bring in the scarf just to like add to it. So... Um, just it's okay. I'm gonna do it next time. I'm winning the next dance off. It's just no, you had hairography, you had hairography and a veil like you hairography. I did yeah, it. You blew hair, and I was like, I, look, I looked down, I was like, Oh my god, I'm gonna veil. All I have is a dirty towel on the floor, oh. and I was like, Don't pick that up. But yeah, that would be interesting. I was like, Damn, is it a sex towel, darling? Because if it is, bring that towel on. That's oh, what we need so more of. It's not a sex I towel. Wish. Damn oh, it. No, if I would have known, I'll keep, yeah, no. Just keep I, the cum towel for next time. That's yeah. going to be good because we all want to see that on video. It's fabulous. Good for we you. Don't see for those me. on video, really, ever. You don't see them in cleanup. Yes, why not? I'm sure there's like people out there who are have like a fascination for the towel and maybe would buy towels. Secondary business coming up soon. You get to buy the towel that I wiped off with. Well, in circles I've traveled around in, you know, like when, like, something underwear sells for high. Yes. So I would imagine the towels would be, you know, it's a, I mean, they're different environments. You're not, you know, you're reusing it. I feel like there's lots of uh, pros with it. I and think if so. you get to sell it, yeah. Hmm. And it's neutral, right? So, like, anybody could have a towel. Yeah. Ooh. I, yeah, I think we bring some a new sale. idea. Yeah, I know. Uh, Secondary business we just started here on the show today, people. Yeah, pop that awesome. shit quick. Yeah, we got friends who want to be part of this business. All my friends who want to have like affiliate links to this business, just let us know. We are on it. Yeah, we can design a mon monogram or something under towel, so you know it's specifically for you. Like that's right. Yeah, request one will like monogram it for you before we. Send it, out. And send it to you yeah i think it's beautiful <laughs> i don't think anybody's been on that yet so that's a pretty unique one i do know about the underwear uh several years ago i had a friend who sent me a link suggesting that i should sell mine on there which was really sweet and i thought wow i love that my friends think i could sell my underwear for like two thousand dollars that's awesome so you never know i have not put my underwear out for sale yet but i appreciate I know. I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I what should just. What do you put have to lose? Then? I didn't what actually. Thing? I wasn't offered the two thousand dollars, but when I looked on the site, some right. of them were selling for like two thousand dollars, and these are like, they've been worn for three months underwear, and I had to get around that thought. And I was like, I could right. maybe do two days underwear, but three months underwear? Damn, that's not. That's that's kind of beyond funk for me. So right. I get I get that some people are digging that. It, 
I just don't know how my family would feel about how I would smell. It could be awkward. <laughs> so. I love that you're committed to it. That you're like, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to lie about it. I'm actually going to, you'd have it for three months. Like you're so committed to like, I am. You know, not being fake about it. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, give it a try. Even, even if you're there, even say you get five days, see what that would sell for. Yeah, maybe five. I could maybe max it out at five. I, uh, whenever these like great business ideas come to mind, I like to share them with my husband. Who's always, he always has like a very practical perspective on this stuff. He's like, okay, so like, but what underwear do you want to sell? Like, you don't want to sell the cotton ones. Like he'll, he'll like go like full on supportive and like figure out like, where are we going to make the most money out of this? Which is really sweet. Have to bring the underwear back up to him. Cause that was a number of years ago, but I recently brought up, um, the idea of doing an only fans account with him. And he was like, all right, you can do that. But I think what you want to do, and then he gets practical. He's like, I think what you want to do is not put your face in it. I think you just want some crotch shots. I'm like, are you going to videography me? And he's like, I can work with you on that. Sure. I'm like, you're the best husband any girl's ever had. Damn it. <laughs> your sex research team. It sounds amazing. You'd be like, honey, just go figure out what sells the most. And yeah. then how do we replicate it? Yeah. If you exactly. Can sounds fun. And he's probably, he'd be right into doing that research. I'll go watch a bunch of porn and let you know what I like the best. Yeah. <laughs> best wife ever, best husband ever, right? Yeah. And there's some people that just business right off. So hello. Exactly. That was just a total tangent because we just created right. a business with dirty towels, which was fun. And I like that. So <laughs> I want to actually talk about more about you and, and just like your life in general, uh, you know, just, I, I'm curious, like some of these projects you're doing, can you tell me more about your podcast? Yeah, so the podcast is called 42. Um, and, you know, I've always felt that we're very similar as humans. You know, we visually look differently, but I feel like every time I've come across people, you know, they were just the same person. Like we're, we journeyed this world very similarly. Uh, so the goal, the idea of this podcast is uh, two souls, one journey. Uh, so that no matter what, oh yeah, two souls, one journey. So no matter who we are physically, I just in this human body, our souls are journeying the same way. We all sort of go to similar hardships. We all go through similar joys. Um, I think the more time you take to talk to somebody, the more you find out about them, you figure out that we actually have more in common than we are different, uh, which is so much more exciting because I think with the world evolving into non-binary and trans, like, you know, the world is coming to a place where people don't want to feel like they're different or they don't want to be categorized into boxes. So um, it's giving me an opportunity to sort of one call up with my friends and talk to them about these kind of things. And like, I don't know how to make any questions to ask people, but this is a great way to sort of, I've been friends with somebody for 20 years and I haven't thought of some of these questions and find out things about them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really just a, when I moved to Winnipeg, I was like, oh, I really wanna connect with my friends and family. And I thought of this idea a year ago and I wasn't able to execute it. And now it's giving me an excuse to not connect with people on, on anywhere in the world. Um, and catch up with them, but actually have good, fun, meaningful conversations or remembering moments like our first part together or things that I forget. And they're like, oh my God, do you remember this? And I was like, oh my God, you are that person. Mm -hmm. uh, again, reminding us that again, our souls were, like I mentioned, because my soul connected to you. I mean, I feel like that's happened with us where your name was in my inbox for like seven years at least. And then one night I got- Eon, like, for sure. Yeah, it was like, it's, I think it was 2013 or something. Like I remember seeing the date. I remember getting up in the middle of the night because something had happened to me. And the thing was, you need to call, you need to email Melissa. That's the first thing. That message came to me and I was like, okay. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Here the, we are. I know, it's funny, right? Yeah. 
it's fun to see how, and then I got to meet your sister who was also on the show too. So um, remember to go check that out as well. Uh, it's, it's fun just to see how the world unravels when it needs to unravel. And I always find connections are fascinating. How, like, w when I think of people, I like to think of like, how is it that I'm connected to you? And in order to be connected to you, the story of how I would, in order to get connected to you, there are like 22 people that came before you and the story started in 2001. And it actually started um, at an event in memory of the Twin Towers falling. That's how long ago the story of the connections of how it came to me to meet you came along. So mm -hmm. it's, it's quite long winded, but it's fascinating because I always like to look back to who know who, who knew who, who knew who, who recommended who to who to who. Right. And it's like, wow, those relationships, when you choose to have people in your life, the things and the people they can lead to is amazing. And I think so many times we, we can cut off you know, we can cut off relationships like, boom, I'm never talking to you again, but you never know. They can open doors for you. They can open all kinds of things. And uh, to me, you know, I think part of this is why I'm saying this is that I feel like a lot of people when they have, um, when they come out of the closet or if they're having like a non-hetero life and they feel like they need to explain their lifestyle to people, I feel like a lot of them have people who just, cut them off, cut them out of their lives, cut them off. And my thought on that is like, you don't know who you're missing out on. Like there's amazing people out there. Like, what are you people doing? You're missing out. So um, I encourage you, if you're one of those people, I'd be surprised if you're listening to my show, if you are, but if you are, that's cool. And if you are, maybe consider those people that you've cut off for reasons that you are, think that you don't agree with their lifestyles maybe reevaluate yourself, become less of a judgy cunt, and maybe like try and reestablish something. Just saying, it could maybe create something for you in your life. Yeah, what they say is that some things you're, like if you think something's a judgy cunt, it's actually a mirror reflection. Like there's something about yeah. them that you're not accepting for yourself. The, the recommendation thing I think is great. Like even most recently with my sexual partners, I'm like, like I look for recommendations. If I'm sitting around with people, I like, I want you to tell me if, like I want you to be like, this guy was really good, you should sleep with him. Um, or like, I, I feel like I did that recently where I was like, this guy didn't work out for me, but he was a really good person. Maybe you should try. Like, I, I don't know, I, I want to like encourage it in the community, like, give them a five-star rating. If you think they're good and maybe they're not good for you, like, I think the recommendation in the culture, like, the, like when you're recommending something or even a sexual partner, it's fun. It's, it, I don't know, it just makes it, uh, like, I appreciate that. I want people to recommend me more people they think I should sleep with that and are having good. having sex with more people. We're just, yeah. we should get you like, um, like a one of those those rate me accounts it's one of the uh, what are they like they're like for businesses right and then you just can rate Shafiq as a lover and then people can go on and go my experience with him was amazing um the things that man can do with his mouth you don't even understand like I think you could you could get some testimonials out there well, and yeah, it'd be really so. that'd be the way to go right and I don't know that there's actually maybe there is a website where you can recommend lovers but I think you're onto something because in the hetero community I've never heard of that existing recommending your lover to somebody else that is not a common thing there's like more competition and ownership that happens in a hetero community I think so uh, my interesting perspective however mm -hmm very cool that you have a community that's like, hey, 
this person was really fun. Uh, just doesn't work for me. Try this out. That's beautiful. That's, that is like the openness and the, the kind of uh, world that I'm like so excited is existing. That's starting to show up. It's beautiful. Uh, I know that if I wasn't with my husband, I'd recommend him to somebody. I'd be like, this guy's awesome. You should like go out with my yeah. husband. He's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I think if there's an option for them, you should still recommend him. Like, yes. <laughs> like he's option. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a friend, actually, this idea came from a, a heterosexual female friend of mine. Oh, wow. She has a very polyamorous life. And she's in India half the time. And then she's in Toronto half the time. And this one winter, she was going to Toronto, she was going to India for six months, but she had just hooked up this really great guy. Her neighbor was single and lonely for the winter. She's like, "Great, I'll lend him to you for the winter, but he's fine when I come back." And I was like, "Wow." What? She's like, "Yeah," she's, because she, like her, her thing is like there's, there's abundance of people out there. The right people will come in whenever you want. But I was like, "Oh, like it was such a." When she said that, I was like, "This is, makes this makes it more of a sense. It's more of a community." Like, you know, I mean, it ties into all of like it, it was a way of polyamory without polyamory so yeah no yeah. I think I think we should do a ratemylover.com and yes. uh, like you can rate your teacher you can rate the food you're eating so maybe that's our second business com. idea yeah two businesses yeah. in one we need to talk more often because this yeah. is crazy I think we came up with business ideas the last time we talked too <laughs> we, we need to make notes this is really good for us okay we have one more commercial break this is crazy and then the show's practically over so you're listening to the pleasure zone here on inspired choices network and we'll be right back after this commercial are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life, and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. And that was fun. Um, it helps that Shafiq is an excellent actor. And for those of you who watched the last commercial, because these commercials are filled with entertainment, um, you would have seen some excellent styles for, you know, air blowjobs. It's like air guitar, but air blowjobs. I mean, if you can have the shopping cart as a dance move, why can't you have the blowjob as a dance move? I like it. I think... It should be, right? And yeah. like the masturbation also. Like, like, just like the jerk off? I think the jerk off already. Jerk off moves and then the. Yeah. I think they're great and nobody yeah. does them. They need to be incorporated way more often. Yeah. <laughs> None of you can steal our um, business ideas yeah. because we're on it. Just letting you know. They should all log in all the time because this is what happens in the break. They should dance with us and help create dance movements. Oh, and let's see. Beautiful. Like, yeah, it should yeah. be a contest. Like everybody who attends. They could actually be a guest on the show if they, if they're mm -hmm. excellent dancers, dare you. Yeah. So that could be a lot of great, fun. 
sick move, like the come off or something. I don't know. Right. The, yeah. The wiping it off. Mm. And you're like, whoa, it's dripping. Oh, it's dripping. Oh, I like how it's dripping. Oh, yeah. it's everywhere. Oh, oh, I'm covered. Okay. Now I'm going far. I'm going overboard. Oh, I'm having a bukkake festival. What's happening? This is amazing. Too good. <laughs> you, just, you want that dance off? It's yours. That one's yours. That's my oh, dance off. Good. Yeah. Bukkake festival dance off. I'm in. All right. <laughs> sometimes my brain and now for those of you who uh are watching you notice i i get excited by these things so my cheeks are turning a little bit red just thinking about that it's pretty fun and if you're like she's embarrassed i'm not embarrassed i'm turned on and that's cool so right why aren't we turned on more often when we're on videos i think we should be just it it would make for much more entertaining uh watching and viewing so we've only got two and a half minutes left and i would like to give you uh at least one and a half minutes of that to share a message with the listeners and viewers about, especially, you know, if they are young South Asians struggling, um, is there anything that you would like to share with them? Or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you the job of coaching. So would you like to coach these people? What? Oh, um, Okay. I know that's tough. I mean, you know what I would say that life, like, life is ever changing, right? Like, I think what you are, person where you are, because, you know, when you're younger and you're coming out, you don't have all, you're not a lot, like, you don't, your parents have your responsibility, or you're, you know, someone else taking care of things for you. But, like, hang in there. I think is the best thing to say. Like, I think when you're, if you're a younger person who isn't uh, out and still struggling, like, you know, it's like the. I mean, I, I don't know what kind of pain that is, but like, I think, you know, if you hang in there long enough, it'll be okay. We just have to hang in there. I think, um, I, 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 I don't have any like magic words of wisdom. I think the older I get, I'm just like, life gives you everything you want. It shows up in time. It shows up in age. As young kids, we don't have that kind of, uh, what's the word? That patience. I know I didn't. Mm-hmm. I get one right away. I mean, I still want things right away. Um, I just know how to get them better. Uh, but back as a kid, I didn't know those things, right? So that knowledge came to me as I got older. Um, and I hung in there. So that I think that, you know, like, life will be okay. Just hang in there. Yeah. That's beautiful. And life is generally okay. And if life isn't feeling so great, you can absolutely connect with me uh, through my website or through social media. You can connect and I will give you 15 minutes of my time to you know, do some flash amazing coaching with you to just kind of assist you through that if you like. So remember to connect and stay tuned in and turned on because next week we're always going to have a good show. Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. The Pleasure Zone returns next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body. Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. The Pleasure Zone returns next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.